All right, hockey fans, welcome to the Stanley Cup final edition of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Never thought we'd be saying that, but um, here we are. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, who's out on Long Island this morning. Chris, welcome to the show, sir. Is that a little rush in the background? A little bit of rush, yeah, with apologies. Um, change it up a little bit. One of my favorite bands yeah. of all time. So, uh, and thought I told I, you, thought uh, my, fav- my, little- my fav- first concert ever. Mine as well, sir. Rush Signals, 1980. Um, a oh, 12-year-old well, lad on a bus. Uh, 12-year-old me. lad yeah, on a bus. Grace, un- Grace Under Pressure Grace Under Pressure? 1986. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that's, that's the only Rush show I missed between Signals and their last tour that they just came through that I missed, unfortunately. Um, I actually got into a little trouble on the Grace Under Pressure tour, and I had tickets for the show, but... Uh, mom and dad did not let me go to the show after picking me up from jail that day. So, uh, little Mark Warner was grounded, uh, for getting in trouble. But other than that, I saw every show from signals to the very last one. Um, financial concern kept me away, but I didn't know it was going to be their last tour. Or I would have sold everything I had to get down there and see that show. But hopefully maybe they'll do maybe a couple spot shows here and there. Um, Neil's health, uh, Godspeed to Mr. Neil Peart. Um, but but we digress. I thought I'd show a little Canadian love for the Winnipeg Jets. Classy fans, classy organization. Everybody that I met uh, down at T-Mobile before the games and whatever, uh, very nice, very classy people, um, respectful in all in all in all, you know in all in all fairness of the word. And uh, congratulations to Winnipeg on a great season. That's a great great hockey team. Um, nothing to hang their head about. I think that by the last game, uh, Vegas's depth and speed and Coach Gallant continuing to just roll four lines at them, the fact that Vegas grabbed the early lead in, in the last three games uh, caused Coach Maurice to maybe shorten his bench a little bit. And by the last game, I think that um, that poll had been taken. Um, just let me get your thoughts real quick on the the Winnipeg series. They did it in a game quicker than I thought. Um but nonetheless, Vegas has moved on to the Stanley Cup final. I've come away with the thought that that flurry guy is pretty good. That's what I've uh, come away with. Yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insights like that, you know, where are you going to get that yeah, the, anywhere else? It, it, but uh, all, all kidding aside, I actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Jamie Thomas on, and I had the right. chance to uh, text him this week. And I just said, uh, you know, uh, what'd you, you know, what'd you come away with? And he just said, uh, Flurry was the difference. He was just, he was just ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I mean, and again, a common theme, which I don't think has been talked about enough about the night in these playoffs. I mean, in almost every game, they're always ahead. You know, they're either, you yeah. know, worst case scenario, they're even. I mean, they've kind of come from behind wins. You know, they had it against, uh, uh, the King, they had that game against the Kings in the third period, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think if they had one against the Sharks, but they're always, it seems like, playing from ahead. So uh, they're doing everything right. Uh, it, it's just really incredible. Um, you know, uh, they, they were able to corral the, the Jets' offense after game one, you know, really after that first period uh, onslaught, if Ten you minutes. will. 
Yeah, uh, they, for they sure. yeah they they were really you, they were able to corral that team. So I mean, look, it was an unbelievable year for the Jets. Uh, just making the playoffs, I think, would have been uh, a strong year for them. Winning around put to me the the cherry on the Sunday, and uh, I mean, I don't even know what to call the to knock out the Nashville Predators, who mo- a lot of people have winning the Cup this year in a Game Seven on Great the road. Uh, what, what's that promote? What's that promotion Dunkin' Donuts says now? They you can get a milkshake a Sunday on top of a milkshake. I guess that's what I would call it. So uh, they're going to be a go. force to reckon with. I mean. They're not going to sneak up on anybody next year, and there's going to be some expectations, but that's that's for another day. And now we have the the Knights versus the Capitals, who once again just got off the mat. I mean, that's been a common theme for them. The 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 resiliency. I mean, you know, I mean, before this year, the word they use the word resiliency in the Capitals. It's like Jim Moore saying playoffs, but uh, <laughs> I mean, just an uh, just a you know. Uh, Incredible performance, and I thought that series turned, sir. I'd like to get your opinion on it. In Game Five, when it they were down three nothing, and Pierre Maguire saying there's no four check, and they looked lost in the wilderness. Even though they lost that game, the second half of that game, they kind of. I mean, I thought that was going to be wind up being a five one six one drubbing, and you know they had missed their chance, and Tampa would be off and away to the Cup final. But they stay said okay. And they they scrapped and clawed. They didn't win the game. They gave themselves an opportunity to win the game in the last, uh, at least tie the game in the last minute. But I thought that really sent a message mostly to themselves, and then responded with back-to-back shutouts uh, in Game Six and Seven. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that, Chris. I think that that um, early in that that Game Five, Tampa was just doing whatever they wanted to. Really, I mean, let's let's be honest. And then we'll talk with Alan Vladarzinski here in a little bit and, and get his opinion on um, what changed in that game five and, and what the Capitals were able to find um, in the second half of that game, whether it was just, um, you know, will or coaching. What, did they change anything, what it was? But um, they re, as they say, they refused to go quietly into that good night at the end of game five. And... We did. We, when we talked with Alan two weeks ago, I thought that they were going to go and get Game Five and then close it out in Game Six. Well, it took a little bit longer than that. Um, but very, very impressive. Uh, game Game Six seemed like it it was in doubt until midway through the second period. Um, game Seven, to me, I don't know about you, but never seemed to be in doubt. I thought. Well, I mean, once Ovechkin scored in the whatever first minute. Um, I don't even know how that puck goes in from as far away as he shot it. That was a freaking laser beam. But obviously one Vasilevsky probably wishes he had back. And then, I mean, the Lightning were chasing the game uh, from that point on. And and it just it seemed to me that, that um, you know, once Ovechkin scored, all of the pressure went over the Lightning, and they weren't ever able to solve Holpe. Um, and, and really didn't have that many chances to do so. Um, so that sets it up. We've got the Capitals in the East and the Vegas Golden Knights in the West. Um, what do you, uh, Flurry's pretty good, you said. I'll have to agree with you there. Um, what else strikes you about that series? We have the George McPhee playing against the team that he created. So I, I guess 13 players dressed in Game 7 were George McPhee draft picks. You've got that angle. We've got the uh, 
the Capitals got past the Penguins, but haven't yet got past Mark Andre Fleury. We've we've got that right. little angle to go through. Um, so what what what's off the top? What what interests you about this night's Capital series? Well, I mean, I think it's two you know two teams. One's a one is a, a, on a magic carpet ride. That would be the night, and the other team I would say is on a uh, you know it's been called maybe a team of destiny. So, so who's who's going to win it? The team with the uh, magic carpet ride or the team of destiny? I don't know about team of destiny, sir. <laughs> I, I do. I do that? appreciate. We'll see about that. Um, I don't know. I've been looking at all the numbers and 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 the matchups, and at at first, you know, I wanted, I you know, you know me, I'm not gonna like. I, I didn't put the Knights in the final when the playoffs started. I didn't um, – we had uh, – I forget who the guest was, but he had Tampa Bay and, and Vegas in the cup final months and months ago, and I told him to pump that the tires. Pump, yeah, yeah, pump the brakes. We're not going there yet. I'm a little bit superstitious when it comes to jinxing things like that. I, I know it's silly, but there you have it. Um, so I, I, I wasn't going to – I wasn't going to say anything, but I I wanted Washington because it gives the Knights home ice advantage. But then when you look at the Capitals, I believe they're what eight and two on the road in in the playoffs and yep. just you know pedestrian so far at home. So maybe that's a be careful what you wish for scenario because uh, now they got them and they got home ice, but they they have the aside from the Knights have the best road record left in the playoffs. Um, so there's. There's that to look at, but you know, at first I thought, okay, easy money for the Knights. Now, the more I look at this, the more even this series seems to be to me. Uh, how do you, how do you feel uh, just on the ice matchup wise, as, as far as um, who you think has an edge maybe in this series? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Both play goaltenders are playing really well. I mean, obviously, Flurry's playing beyond that, so uh, I, you'd have to say that in terms of the Knights. Both teams have uh, shown a uh, depth on defense, depth at forward. Both team, both coaches have their teams playing really well. I mean, to me, the, I think the key to the series is going to be uh, the Capitals' power play uh, from a standpoint of. How many penalties a they're able to draw, and b how how much will they be uh, effective? That they have hurt um, all three of their opponents: Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay with their power play. They're operating at a 29%, and it has hurt severely hurt all those teams with their power play. To me, that's really going to be the key to the, a long, close series. If Vegas can do. Uh, a good job of corralling that power play, I think they're going to win the series. Uh, if, if Washington can continue to execute like they have, and let's face it too, um, the 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 only, you know, the few times uh, there's been a little bit, for lack of a better word, vulnerability, uh, is when, not that Vegas can't kill penalties, they've been a solid group all year, but is when the other team obviously has a man advantage. I mean, they have the man advantage. So, uh, you might need to get that golden opportunity plus rebound situation um, to make that happen, like to get to get a goal past Flurry. 
Well, the Knights are fourth in the in the playoffs there with their penalty kill percentage, 82.5%. Um, only the Kings, Avalanche, and Penguins. Avalanche, obviously, with a small sample size, so you can almost throw that out. Um, Kings, Penguins in front of Golden Knights, um, killing penalties at 82%. And, and I'll, I'll flip the, the script on you one better. The Capitals' penalty kill maybe struggles a little bit, down around 75%. And the Golden Knights have been converting. Their percentage doesn't really show it because I believe they were 1-for-11 against the Kings, who after that first series were 91% on the penalty kill. So the percentage of the Golden Knights' power play doesn't look as good as it might. But they've been able to move the puck and create very high-quality scoring chances on their power plays, both against Winnipeg and San Jose. So special teams definitely, from both sides uh, of the coin, definite keys to the series. Um, five on five, Can the, we know the Knights roll their four lines, and like we said earlier, the, the Jets seem to be worn down quite a bit by the time they got towards late in game four and, and game five. They just seemed to be a team that was out of gas. Um, do you think these four lines can do the same thing to the Capitals? I really like what Gallant did. Perron was out with it. I missed a couple games with some injury and he moved, uh, Alex Tuck up to the second line, uh, with Halla and Neil, which gives with Perron on that wing, there's not as much speed and not as much size on that line. So I like that change. It gives, you know, a little extra dynamic into the top six of the Golden Knights and moving Perron down to play with Eakin and Carpenter, if that's if that's how the lineup goes. Well, Carpenter brings that speed and go to the front of the net ability, and Perron can give that line more possession time. That's, that's uh, I've come to admire greatly Perron's ability to just maintain possession of the puck in the offensive zone and create zone time. And and create chances off of that. So I, I like that change. I think it gives more depth down that right wing uh, all the way through th- three lines. And then, of course, I mean, of course, Ryan Reeves scores the game winner against Winnipeg in his right. hometown. Um, first first goal as a Golden Knight. We saw that in the, uh, the Kings series. Uh, Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb, Braden McNabb, scores the game winner and series clincher against the Kings. And now now Reeves, Carpenter had the chance to eliminate the Sharks, and the, the Knights picked up Carpenter on waivers from the Sharks along the season. And, you know, the epitome of team that, that is the Golden Knights, he uh, did not shoot at the empty net. He passed it off, and I believe it was Carlson or maybe Marcia's show that scored that that dagger with the empty net in the clinching game. So there's a, there's a good chance that in all three series, the 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 player who was you know taken or acquired from the team they played could have very easily eliminated their former team. So I, I like that little tidbit. Um, it just goes to show that this team is still holding that chip on their shoulder, and I think the guys rally around that. And and so now now as we play that forward, Nate Schmidt from the Washington Capitals. Um, look for him to have a big impact. He was a healthy scratch last year in about 30 or 40 games, I think, playing behind the the decor that Washington has. So uh, as long Nate Schmidt seems to be a guy that has a lot of energy, 
And I, I think one thing to watch out for is for him to try and do too much along that chip on my shoulder, I'll show you kind of a thing. But if, if he, you know, if he just plays within himself, I, I look for Nate Schmidt to have a big impact in this series as well. Yeah, absolutely. Allen can speak uh, when we get Allen on the line any minute. He can speak to the depth of the Caps, but their third and fourth lines have been really uh, contributing, contributing guys like Smith Pelly, Tim Connolly, Borkowski, uh, for what he did the other night. So, um, you yeah, know, those guys have uh, they, they've been doing. They've been. Uh, get, I thought that was going to be one of their weaknesses coming to the playoffs, but it's been a uh, it's been a positive for them. Absolutely, and let's go to Alan Zlatarzinski now. Um, Alan is on the line with us. Good morning to you, Alan. Good afternoon, where you may be. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon. I hope everybody's doing well today, and uh, I know that I am, and I'm fairly certain you are as well. <laughs> Not too shabby out here in Vegas, I was telling Chris. Uh, for a Memorial Day weekend here, we're going to be in the mid-80s. Uh, we're not popping triple digits, I think, till next week. So we're going to have the grill fired up on Monday. We're going to be doing some very serious pregame activities here in the Warner household. And we look to have a, a pretty good Stanley Cup final on our hands. We have two teams that have never won the Cup before. So there's that angle. And, and we were just talking a little bit before you joined the show. We have the George McPhee against his former team angle. We have the Capitals beat the Penguins, but not the Mark Andre Fleury angle. Um, what what storylines are you following just to kick us off here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Alan Slaughterzinski? What what storylines are you following pretty close for this series, sir? Uh, well, you know, I, I like the McPhee McClellan storyline, you know, sort of kind of. Uh, the student going against the teacher, if you will, uh, kind of digging that, kind of watching that little little banter back and forth, uh, friendly. Uh, I'm also watching to see how quickly in this series Mark andre Fleury can get into the head of the Washington Capitals uh, because I've seen it literally uh, on our television screens in all of its glory in many of the series between the Penguins and Capitals. Take you back, I think it was last year or maybe the year before. It's all running together now. Uh, but Game 7, you know, and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury came – yeah, it was last year Marc-Andre Fleury came out yeah. and immediately uh, just – you know what? He just got right into the head of Alex Ovechkin, stopped in the point-blank range, I think, three minutes into the game, and the Penguins went on to win. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that matchup between Flurry and Ovechkin because as much as a, as much as hockey is a team game, this Ovechkin Flurry matchup is going to be a lot of fun. No, I'd I'd agree with that a hundred percent. I I can't imagine after I believe the Penguins eliminated them two in a row for sure, and I think three out of the last four years um, to get past that and slay the dragon that was the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then. You know, you, you, you come back after, excuse me, taking the first two on the road and then letting it slip away to a 3-2 deficit and then shut out game six, shut out game seven. And I thought game seven really wasn't ever in doubt. Uh, from the Ovechkin goal to, to kick things off, um, the Capitals just dominated that game seven. I, didn't, I thought game six really was in question throughout midway in the second period. I thought Tampa was bringing their end of the bargain. But uh, Holby was able to stop what chances they were able to generate and went on to the 3 nothing shutout. But I thought Game 7, the Capitals may have played, um, aside from Game 3, I think, in Columbus, um, I thought maybe the Capitals played their most dominating game of the playoffs in Game 7. Um, 
holding that eight and two road record. Um, just, just your thoughts on them, them looking up into the final after slaying that dragon and damn it, there's Mark Andre Fleury again. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, for, for, for the Capitals throughout this entire Stanley cup playoff run here, uh, the Capitals have followed the guy that has finally, finally stepped up in every facet and become the leader of this hockey team in the Great Eight. And I, you know, I'm not trying to you know, kick a dead horse, so to say, or, or, or so to speak. But that that is what's happened here. You know, when they got down nothing into the Columbus, it was Alex Ovechkin that stared into the camera and said, "We're coming back. You know, we're we're, we're going to come back in this series." Uh, and against the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, you know, it was Alex Ovechkin breaking sticks over the crossbar five, six, seven times, you know, five, six, seven pieces that fired his team up. Uh, in the Tampa series, you know, it was Ovechkin that came out in game seven and scored a little over a minute into the game. So the lead that needs to be followed here when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury is how does Alex Ovechkin handle this if he doesn't? succeed against Marc-Andre Fleury in game one. Let's say Ovechkin gets four, five, six shots on goal in game one, and he doesn't score a goal. How does he handle it moving forward? Um, So I think that will be interesting to see. And, you know, look, this Capitals team throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs, they, you know, 0-2 to Columbus. They fell behind 3-2 to Tampa Bay. Even in that Pittsburgh series, you know, a game one, in which by every account you go back and watch it and you turn off the final five minutes of that game, you still would walk away thinking the Washington Capitals had won that. They didn't. They could have easily have went south following that, but they didn't. And all of that fell on the shoulders of Alex Ovechkin. And even in game seven, guys, while I'll agree with you when you say that you don't think the game was ever in doubt, Tampa Bay certainly had their chances. There were several opportunities in that game, not long after the Ovechkin goal, when a puck laid right there in the middle of that crease with nobody but Tyler Johnson's stick around it, and he couldn't bury it. And, you know, guys, those are things, hitting posts, missing wide-open shots that generally happen to the Capitals this time of the year, and more importantly, generally happen to Alex Ovechkin. And you know what? They did happen this year to the Capitals, but because the way Ovechkin handled it, because he put this team on his shoulder, they followed him. He overcame it, and so did they. Let me go ahead. <clears throat> excuse me. Let me let me jump over to Chris on the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Alan Slaughterzinski. Um, Chris, go ahead and jump on in. What are your thoughts here? Hey, Alan. Great to have you back on. So I made the comment before that the most critical element for the Capitals in this cup final is A, being able to draw enough penalties, and B, continue to execute on the power play and hurt their opponents like they've had in each of the first three rounds. Uh, scale one to ten, how, how critical would you say those two things are for the Capitals in order to hoist the cup uh, uh, going to the cup final? Well, I mean, you know, the obvious answer is extremely critical. But with that said, when we look at the Stanley Cup finals, guys, you generally don't get a whole lot of whistles. You then generally don't see a whole lot of guys skating, uh, you know, to the box. Um, so the Capitals are going to have to find ways uh, to score five on five. And then I think that you have to take and start comparing line depth in this series. You know, which line, you know, we obviously know that uh, the top two lines on these two teams 
are special. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights top line. I mean, they're, they're absolutely located in the right city with all the magic that they have been able to perform. But I think when you go a little deeper um, and you take a look at the Capitals' second line, you know, when you're able to put out a guy like a Nick Backstrom and a guy like TJ Oshie out there, um, you know, I, I think that's huge for Washington. I think the one thing that Washington's going to challenge here more than anything uh, is I think that even when you go back and look at what Vegas has faced uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Winnipeg, deep. I wouldn't say Winnipeg was a solid four lines deep. L.A., well, yeah, I wouldn't say that either. San Jose, probably the same thing. I think this is probably the deepest team that the Vegas Golden Knights have faced so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, but again, you know, you look at a guy like a Nate Schmidt who leads this team uh, in ice time. Uh, he's a former Washington Capitals. So, I mean, the Capitals have to figure out a way to beat this team 5-on-5 five five because I don't think, quite honestly, Chris, um, maybe they get a power play per game. Uh, I mean, we saw a game in the conference finals when there wasn't a penalty called in the entire contest. So, uh, you know, if the Capitals are relying – on being able to cash in on the power play as a way to hoist the Stanley Cup, uh, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Now, Mark just mentioned before, and rightfully so, how much the four lines of the Vegas Golden Knights have worn down their opponents in, in these playoffs and really all year long. Give me the case for the Capitals of being up to the challenge with their third and fourth line. Well, I think when you look at what the Washington Cap, okay, I think when you look at the Washington Capitals and you look at their fourth, third and fourth lines, um, you look at what they did to Tampa Bay throughout these Stanley Cup playoffs, and even with the Pittsburgh Penguins guys. And in fact, the Capitals have done this to the Penguins in three of the last four years. Um, wore them down. That fluke goal is what always seemed to beat them here. Uh, I think when you look at the Capitals' third and fourth lines, a guy like uh, a Smith Pelly, uh, a guy like an Andre Berkovsky, who seems to have really found his rhythm coming out of game seven. Um, you know, I like what Washington puts out there on their third and fourth lines. And I think that, you know, we can compare it all day long to what Vegas is putting out there. But I look at what Washington faced all year. You know, look, that Metro division, that's a big, tough, hardened division. You know, I, I mean, it is that, you know, I go back and look at it, guys, and, you know, it, it does remind me of the old Patrick division in the National Hockey League. This Capitals team, I said this the other night, Chris, this isn't the best Washington Capitals team that Alex Ovechkin has ever played on. In fact, it's not the second best the third best, may not even be the fourth best in terms of talent, but this is probably the deepest, and it probably is the most team-oriented uh, bunch of guys that he's been with. I think the Capitals are are definitely up to the challenge here of matching lines three and four with Vegas. Um, guys, I, I just think this is a series that's going to come down to uh, Mark Andre Fleury's ability to get into the heads of the Washington Capitals, and whether or not Braden Holpe can match Fleury safe for safe. Well, you know what? If uh, if that is what it comes down to, I'm gonna take I'm gonna like I'm gonna like my chances with the Golden Knights at that point. Um, I think what did they say? No one has gone into the Stanley Cup Final with as high a save percentage this far into it. Um, 
maybe ever or last 20 years at least. I know Quickie in 2012 had a, a phenomenal save percentage and goals against average, but um, you know, 12 and three, they said that um, the Knights have a chance to win the game and fewer win the cup in fewer than 20 games, and I don't think that's been done before. Um, I don't look for that to happen in this series. I think Washington is going to be a very game opponent. But if you want, if you want to say it comes down to goaltending and Mark Andre Fleury, the way that guy's playing right now, um, to to go with the Vegas euphemism, I'll roll the dice and take my chances with that, sir. Yeah, no, I, look, I, and, and and so should you feel that way. Um, but I, you know, look, when we you, you look at these Washington Capital lines, you know, Berkovsky. Lars Eller, what a phenomenal, phenomenal series, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, Lars Eller's had. How about some of the key goals that Brett Connolly scored? Jay Beagle's a yep. face-off master. Um, you know, I, I didn't like Beagle being inserted into the lineup uh, back in the Columbus series. But you know what? I mean, Beagle has won some key draws uh, here in these Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that the one thing that these four Washington Capital lines have um, is they all have thumpers on them. They all have guys that can put the puck in the net, and they all have guys that can win faceoffs. Um, I think those are three key elements when you're talking about depth of lines, and I think that when you look at all four of these lines with some, you know, I, I wouldn't say with a, I like Stevenson, Beagle, and DSP, and Berkovsky, Eller, and Connolly. Um, you know, you, you take a look at a guy like a Lars Eller, like a Brett Connolly, um, to me, they remind me of the guys that we were watching score goals for the Penguins last year. And you go, geez, I, I didn't know that guy was playing. Or I didn't know, <laughs> you know, the, 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 those are the guys that they remind me of, the guys that the Capitals have been missing over the last couple of years. Look, I, I mean, the Capitals are underdogs in this series, and I think that's a role that they're going to relish going in. I, I really think they're going to, you know, that takes, I think that takes a little bit of pressure off the Washington Capitals, to be honest with you. Um, because this is a 43-year-old franchise that's never won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, beating the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, it was good, not enough. Getting back to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's nice, but it's still not enough. Now, this is still a franchise that even though they've been to the Stanley Cup Finals, they still haven't won a game there yet. So that's going to be big for this team. Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, when the Capitals, if the Capitals can win a game in this series, it'll be the first ever Stanley Cup final victory for this team in franchise history. I, I, I like the way Braden Holpe is playing right now. I think that for sure. you're, the, Cap, the Capitals have never had the hot goaltender to start or finish a Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, from Don Beaupre uh, to, um, you know, Michael Neuver, who uh, beat the Rangers about six years ago head-to-head uh, -head with Hendrik Lundqvist. They've never had a guy that turned in the two performances uh, that Braden Holpe turned in in game six and seven. And you know what? Braden Holpe needed it because the first shutout he pitched all year long, guys, all season long, was in game six. Um, wow. And so I, I like where Holpe's at right now. I like his focus. Um, you know, whether or not he can match Mark andre Fleury save for save, I don't know. Um, but I think the Capitals need to keep that formula they had against Tampa Bay where they try to stand up Vegas at the blue line. They keep them from uh, getting down deep, uh, trying to battle for pucks. 
and they try to out-physical them. Um, I, I think, you know, the Caps have a good shot there. Uh, we'll see. Well, you did hit on one of the things that concerns me in the in this series is the the faceoffs, and the Knights 14th out of 16 teams in the playoffs at 47.8 percent. Uh, Capitals a little bit better, still under 50 percent at 11th with 49 percent. I think those extra possessions won late in games are going to be a big, especially five on five. I think that's going to be a big part of of how these games individually and collectively make up the series is who can win those those crucial faceoffs. Um, you know, defensive zone faceoffs late in games, either up a goal, down a goal, or tied. You know, those those faceoffs are are going to be huge. I think to gain that extra possession uh, for the team that wins those faceoffs. Um, so. Yeah. You know what else I think is key in this series uh, is the coaching in this series. Um, it's you know, yeah. I, I mean, be, I mean it really is. I mean, I don't think you can state it enough. Glant and and, and Trotz and these two guys are going to go head to head. And what is that last line going to that you know that last change going to look like? And you know, I mean, what is Barry Trotz drawing up on the board right now should the Washington Capitals get that man advantage? I mean, look at the way that Vegas held Patrick Lanier in check, um, you know, in that lethal Winnipeg power play. You know, that was a pretty good power play uh, Winnipeg Absolutely. had. And uh, Vegas held it. I mean, you couldn't hold it anymore in check. Uh, San Jose as well. So it's, yeah, San Jose as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see – what, if anything, is done differently? Um, to, you know, uh, what these coaches draw up, uh, either now or at the last minute or on that board with the final timeout while that draw is deep in your own zone with 35 seconds to go in the game. I don't think you can state the importance of these coaching matchups enough. And I absolutely love both of these head coaches. <laughs> And then one one other thing you mentioned before we have to let you go uh, the the physical play the Knights are leading the playoffs uh, in hits per game with 39 the next closest team I believe was 30 per game so um, a lot of people underestimate the Knights physical play to the to the you know the detriment of their the team that they're playing but also you look at the the speed and skill aspect that the Knights play with um, Carlson Marcheseau and Smith led the league in plus minus one two three. So that that's a 200 foot game those guys play, and and each one of them will take the body, uh, take it. You know they'll they're a physical group um, that gets underestimated. And the other thing that I think is going to be key to the series, Vegas back checks uh, with with bodies and sticks and 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 just I I don't think I've ever seen a team for this. Uh, consistent length of time, back check, and and be th- this attentive to detail, and also be able to put the offensive firepower on the ice as well as this Golden Knights team. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a lot closer series than it was when I first thought it. You know, when at the end of Game Seven, I was like, okay, Knights got home ice. Um, I like it. I like it. And the more I look at it, um, I think it's going to be a heck of a series. And Alan, we got to let you let you run, but uh, thank you for joining us here Saturday. And uh, we'll, you know, next weekend. Quick, let's get a we'll, quick prediction. Let's get a quick prediction from Alan. Alan, what? What? Give us the. Give what us do you prediction. got? I like the Capitals in six, boys. All right. All right.
<laughs> Excuse me. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. You're Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I know. It's all right. I, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, I'll right. come back and we'll uh, we'll have to get a little side bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll talk to you next Thanks, week and Alan. hopefully if the series is still on, Alan. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right, Alan Sladerzinski. Uh Follow him on Twitter for the Capitals angle at Zlot Sports. Um, give me your feedback on what we just heard from Alan there. Makes a lot of good points. I, I think he yeah, he makes a lot of good points for both sides. I, I'm I'm gonna go with Capitals in seven in overtime. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious! I don't know what changed your mind from earlier in the week. Um, let's. Uh, I'm. I'm it's I'm gonna the, stick it's with it. The resiliency, uh, it's the resiliency of the Capitals I've seen uh, uh, throughout these playoffs, and uh, I, I, I think they're a team on a mission. Um, I know, I mean, to me, the Knights are a team uh, on the carpet, on the fairy tale, and they've been unbelievable. And they could, you know, obviously, I think it's a flip of a coin series. If I'm gonna say in Game Seven in overtime, so Knights and six. There you go. I'm sticking with it. It worked so far for the first three rounds. Um, I just think that the speed that Vegas has and the way that they executed on defense um, is a very underrated portion of this team. This is a gritty hockey club. They They don't back down. You saw a few times in the Winnipeg series where there was five on five scrums. Um, you saw, uh, you know, little Colin Miller, uh, bodying up buff behind the net uh, in the corners. It didn't work very well, but they don't shy away from it. I think the physical aspect of this team, we saw Washington ramp up their physical game against Tampa Bay in game six and seven. I think that was a large part of how they did it. Um, but I don't think that Vegas backs off of that. In fact, I think Vegas carries the physical play. I think Reeves will um, negate Tom Wilson running around. Uh, the way he was able to do against Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, who really don't have, you know, I said at the time that that Crosby was going to be spending the rest of the season looking over his shoulder because Reeves wasn't there anymore at the trade deadline. I said it then, and I'll say it now. Reeves is going to be a big part of this team in this, and I thought against the Winnipeg series, and that, and I think um, just having Reeves on the ice is going to, you know, cut a little bit out of out of Tom Wilson's game. Um, and I think that the Knights match up physically just fine. I think they have more team speed than the Capitals do. I think they have the better goaltender who's playing playing better right now and also better overall. He has the Stanley Cup final experience. Uh, James Neal played in the Stanley Cup finals last year, um, and nobody on the Capitals has. So, well, not nobody, but um, nobody with that group. Um I think I think experience and, and that's on the side of the Golden Knights. If they, and they were the least penalized team in the regular season, so if they stay out of the box and they keep that power play on the bench, um, it's going to be hard for Washington to um, match up speed wise. I think the, the, the Knights. I think the Knights go ahead and finish it off. I think I think from start to finish, um, it's been the best team in the Western Conference. I know Nashville and Winnipeg finished ahead of them. Um but when they you know when they the playoffs started and the matchups came up, I didn't say anything. 
but I thought that with the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks being the, the possible first and second round opponents, that the Knights would be in the Western Conference Finals. So I thought Winnipeg and Nashville would be the toughest test with Winnipeg carrying a slight edge because they are big and they are skilled and they are quick. And they just beat Winnipeg four games in a row. And Winnipeg hadn't lost four games in a row all season and only lost three games in a row once. Um, so I, I think that – I, I don't want to say it. I'm going to let it go. Knights and six, buddy. Real quick, though, we have okay, some news well, with your New York Islanders this week, if you want to touch on that real quick. I'm sure you have an article real coming quick, on that. Yeah, I'll have an, I'll have an article of uh, Lou's uh, next moves coming on Monday, Memorial Day. It'll be, it should be a, It's supposed to be kind of a cloudy, rainy day out here in New York, so give you an excuse to get on the computer later on or during game one. Um, yes, everyone's ecstatic. Every, euphoria, Garth Snow situation aside, Lou Lamoureux is one of the best general managers in all sports. Uh, he's got some work to do. He's, he's already met with Tavares. Tavares is very happy with the move. Actually, interesting to note, Lamorello met with Tavares before taking the officially taking the job, which is kind of interesting. That was a nice note. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, they got cap space and a lot of trade assets that uh, people are gonna gonna want between their draft picks and prospects and some of their young players in their rosters. So. Uh, I think Lou uh, and Lou thinks this team can win right away. That was a big reason why he took the job. One of the many, one of the reasons he took the job. He still has the passion, but he does not uh, see this as a rebuild, retool, or anything like that. So uh, everyone's really fired up. He's got a lot of to do in a short period of time, including evaluating if Doug Wade should still be the coach. So uh, I'm just throw out there how crazy would it be if Elaine Vigneault, who's looking for a job, wind up coaching the Islanders after coaching the Rangers. Um, but, yeah, well, we'll see. They're going to be – the Islanders are going to be a very big story uh, this offseason, to say the least. But uh, So next week, next Saturday, we'll be on again. Uh, a little bit longer show, sorry about that, but things are kind of crazy this weekend for everybody. And uh, we will be on before game three, uh, which is on next Saturday night in Washington. And believe it or not, sir, three weeks from today is our annual mock draft show. We have Mark Scheich and Dan Harrigan and myself playing GM with you playing Master of Ceremonies. Yeah, it's a yes, lot sir. of fun show. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, I, I, that's that's all I have for you, sir. Real quick, just uh, off the cuff, what what's Lou Lamarillo's first move other than getting Tavera signed? Are we looking at goaltender upgrade? Goalie, or... yep. Goalie. Goalie. First class goalie. And a top four defenseman with an emphasis on defense. Okay. Well, everybody look for Chris's article on Lamarillo joining the New York Islanders Monday. Uh, Ion Isles FS. Um, it should be a good one. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, that's it, guys. We're in the Stanley Cup final. The uh, two teams left. Um, it, it, I'm not going to say that either. I think it's going to be a real good series. Um, we'll look for the, the puck to drop 5 o'clock Monday night, and let's get it on. Chris, that's it. Final thoughts? You're done? I, I'm I'm good. Okay. Uh, follow Chris on Twitter, at the NL King, to make sure you find that, that uh, Lamarillo article on the New York Islanders. Um, and and here we go, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, if you had a, a betting window slip, uh, Capitals versus Knights oh. at the start of the year you would be a pretty happy guy right now um let's just get it on and see where the puck bounces for chris on mark 
in the Stanley Cup final edition of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're gone. <laughs>